Apaches were flying in. You could hear the machine gun fire. The infantry were clearing. And I'm over here setting up these guys as patrol base. And as I'm laying there, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I finished the job. I lay down at night. I got my body armor on, my gun strapped across my chest, my helmet on. And I'm protected between two concrete barriers. I'm looking up at the stars, and I'm thinking again, what the hell am I doing? Welcome to Behind the Rise podcast, hosted by the Perina Brothers. My name is Angelo, and I'm joined by my brothers and business partners, Lucho and Valentino. On this show, we will speak to successful local, national, and global entrepreneurs, as well as discuss lessons we've learned in our 15-year career building a nine-figure organization. We're in the middle of our journey now and want to share with you all the wins, losses, and lessons learned behind the rise. All right, everybody. So today we have Jeremiah Solvin here with us, right? All the way from Florida, formerly from Colorado. We'll get into that. Uh, Jeremiah Solvin is an Army veteran, a former enlisted soldier and who changed careers and became an infantry soldier in the 75th Ranger Regiment and Light Infantry commanding uh, Company Commander. He spent 15 years in the military and completed his time in service with four combat deployments, one in Iraq, three in Afghanistan. He has various unit awards such as Bronze Star and a Combat Infantryman Badge, right? Is that how you say it? Infantryman Badge? Okay. During his time in Special Operations Unit in the 75th Regiment, he led high-value raids against enemy combats uh, of the United States. Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah completed his time in service in 2020 after running 103 miles in the Colorado Rockies, which is ridiculous. Um, it was during that time, during that run, he decided to chase his purpose of building leaders and separating from service. Now he is an entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Conquer Academy, where he helps new um, and seasoned leaders achieve higher levels of personal and professional success. In business, some of his accomplishments include being featured in Forbes magazine, being featured in Entrepreneurship magazine, training the leaders of a billion-dollar company, building a personal brand that has generated um, over $100,000 in a single month, and hosting high, highly intensive leadership events known as ConquerQuest. It's Jeremiah's mission now to bring more good in the world and help others achieve the best. Um, you know, that's just... That. I just want to like, like as soon as he says that at the back of my head, I'm like proud. To be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Jeremiah has done a lot of good in the world. He's done a lot of good for this country. And now he's focuses his attention on training other entrepreneurs, leaders, um, other people who want to do better in the world to, you know, reach their highest self. Is that, is that about safe to say? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And I mean, not, not to say he was, he was our coach. He was a uh, Lucho's coach for a while. It still is an Angelo's coach too. So, I mean, we we've had a lot of success with him personally. Yeah, too. like internally, we call Jeremiah our secret weapon, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so he's kind of helped. Uh, you know, Lucha and I, you know, specifically, like more intensely, you know, working on our mindset. Um, you know, when I first started working with Jeremiah, um, I was a fat slob, uh, big time, right? My mindset was off. I uh, I met up with Jeremiah. He actually came to my house for three weeks. He flew out from his house. He pretty much stayed with me like almost like that david goggins did with uh what's his name with jesse, jesse Isler. yeah very similar yeah exactly very similar to that so he stayed with me he put me through um like an army ranger like school right yeah like a boot camp yeah like an army ranger boot camp like threw me in a pool that was um not heated you know 
in the winter. In the winter, yeah, like yeah. right, right after, like the pool just got open. There's like still fucking algae in the pool and everything. <laughs> and you know, and I, I was going in, threw me in there with uh, no life vest or anything, and made me turn like my jeans into a life vest. Like that's like one of the things I remember the most. Yep. Um, you know, he really pushed me to the limits. He put me through a lot of what the Army Rangers go through in their camp, which is like specifically it's it's physical, but it's also mental. Yeah. I remember one of the things that you you put me through was. I was like doing these sprints back and forth. And then when my heart rate was at like a certain like beats per minute, it was like over 140 or 150. Um, he would have me do like these math questions, right? It would be like count backwards by two from like from a hundred down to down to zero. And if you make a mistake, you have to like do the sprints again. So I can't even do that like like sober with a clear mind. You know, never mind like yeah. after like with your heart rate at 160. Yeah. So those are the types of things that help, you know, you know, people in the military, army rangers, you know, dial in your mentality when you're under stress, you know? So some of, a lot of those lessons I still kind of take with me today when things are in like stressful situations, but, um, you know, you've helped me tremendously. Yeah. Helped all of us really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also remember, remember when we went to the back of your house and we had to do like that mission. Do you guys remember that? And we took, if you guys a leadership lane. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had to go from there all the way to the high school. Like Britain, our mission was like, there was like a helicopter landing. We had to get there by a certain yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Like I had a Crazy rucksack. Stuff. Oh, one of the things that you had me do like uh, in that same vein was fucking ride my bike. Right. Remember yep. the bike? Yeah. I, I hadn't rode a bike since I was like in middle school. Okay. Ride a bike from, you know, my house all the way to work, which is like crazy far away. And you don't realize you see people riding bikes, like you take it for granted. Any little hill. Like you have to earn every inch on a on like that type of bike. Yeah. yeah. There's like no like no give. It doesn't. It's not like you do a few pedals and keep it going. Like every every inch I had to earn yeah. on a fucking bike. <laughs> yeah. And then one of the things I remember most was you got a flat tire. Yep. Remember? Yeah, I hit something. There was concrete. Yeah. Uh, the construction going on. I got a flat. Yeah. Yeah. He had he got a flat. So what I, what I told him I would have done was threw the bike in the woods and called an Uber and I'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, he fucking grabs the bike, puts it on his shoulders, and ran next to me while I'm on the bike <laughs> the whole way back. I'm like, dude, are you sure are you all right? Like, give me a push or something. Like, yeah. You know. So that was like I was like, what are we dealing with here? Yeah. So. Um, you know, ton of ton of uh, great experience, great memories. Yeah, but we had a we had a mission with you. You know, yeah. you needed <clears throat> when I work with somebody, I always you know, I'm building leaders, but I'm always helping them get what they want. Yeah, right. If I if I to fulfill my mission to of building leaders, I want to build high quality leaders in society that make a difference. But in order to do that, I have to deliver what the customer and the person wants. Yeah, and what you needed was confidence and mental toughness. Yeah, and we needed to eradicate excuses. Yeah, so the best way to do that is to to show you where the excuses are and how to get rid of them. And so, yeah, we did that for three weeks straight. Yeah. We got rid of a lot of excuses. We did. And I honestly, I take a lot of that, you know, I took a lot of that with me, you know? Even today, dude, when you start to notice what an excuse is, like you talk about this too, um, you you really start to hear it in yourself. Yes. Like when you start to put it front of mind, like what an excuse is and, and all that and like really define it, all of a sudden you start speaking to someone, you're like, holy shit, I just made an excuse. Yeah. Or like when you hear someone make an excuse, you can't even like be around it. Yep. Right? It gives you like that ick. It's like, dude, are you fucking serious? You just gave me that excuse. It's like once it's front of mind, like you said, like when you realize how much of an issue it is, it's like, whoa, it's it's a lot. Right. Well, that's why having people that do what Jeremiah does is good for the world because not not a lot of people realize that they're in that loop of making excuses and living like their lowest self, you know? Yep. They're not tapping into their highest potential. So 
by exposing somebody like Jeremiah to the world, you know, it's like it's helping people, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's helping people eliminate their excuses, realize where they're weak, where they can increase their mental toughness, become a better leader for yourself, for the people you work with, for your family. Um, it's just great stuff across the board. One of my one of my most favorite memories from that trip was uh, when you went and saw your son. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. We basically. Oh yeah, the the karate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Your son was at karate and we had a conversation prior to that mm -hmm. about how you were just struggling with time. Mm -hmm. Like I don't ever, ever have time to see my kids, my family, work life balance is all messed up. Yeah. And I you know, I, I brought up the point, you just need to make time. Right. And there's always a way, right? And so what we did on that same bike ride that you're talking about, mm -hmm. you rode the bike to work for yeah. training because we were tight on time yeah. instead of taking the car. Mm -hmm. And then on the way home, we said, All right, let's change the route. So you stopped by your son's karate class. Yeah. And it was a brutal brutal ride because the brutal. wind was like 20 30 mile an hour winds against the grain yeah and you're like, you. and you're 450 pounds <laughs> right, riding exactly. uphill on a mountain bike just hating life with a rucksack on your back yeah with the rucksack mind mm -hmm. you but um, this was memorable for me because we eradicated the excuses and we said hey we do have time we just need to show we need to find a way yeah and we stopped by and it was like the first time that you got to see him at karate class yeah. and that was a very emotional moment for both you and i yeah we got emotional like when we when we made it there. like it was like a fucking battle dude against it was like the windiest day on record by mind you it was like this day and like fighting for every inch to get there and we had like a we had to be there by a certain time too yep and we fought to get there and i remember when we got there i literally like broke down like it was like it was emotional emotional thing and then seeing him in there and he saw me was and that was like actually the first time I the work that jeremiah does is literally god's work like it's it, when andy Fursell was talking about yesterday like the way he's trying mm -hmm. to impact the world is impact the leaders of the world for them to them spider web and to their people yes. to to reach theirs and then from theirs they go down and down like that is the only way to truly make an impact on the on the world right it's to focus on the leaders and from the leaders you go down same way like a business but it, the the, your, the work that you're doing is just so important especially when men nowadays like it's they're very weak-minded including myself i mean i'm not any different but like it's just so important to like identify these folks make the change and then hopefully that change will impact the other people and impact the other people that domino effect yeah. so important exactly um why don't we get into you know a little bit of your your background right a little bit of your story here and then we'll get into you know more of the work that you're doing now right yeah so you know why don't we start with where you grew up right where you grew up where you went to high school you know what was the decision that led you to join the military you know and then we'll go from there all right yeah i mean you guys are kind of, I appreciate all the comments coming yeah. out and I appreciate um, just the, all the compliments, really. You guys kind of painted me as like a superhero in my yeah. mind. Yeah. But um, before I was anything that I am today, I, I really, I came from nothing. Mm. You know, I was a shy kid, undersized, and I grew up in a town of about 300 people. Oh, wow. And I had one friend in that town and I had to share him with my, my brother. Mm. Um, my parents were, you know, we were low income, but we had a loving household. We just didn't have a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I actually used to hunt and fish to put food on the table with my dad wow. at a young age. So, um, we, I grew up in Northern California, a little yeah. town called Trinity center. Mm. It's like a touristy spot where people come up and they take their boats and whatnot. Mm. Um, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked. He was in his thirties. He was a laborer, a carpenter. And then he got into working for the county. It was a um, basically cleared the roads with you know did snow plowing and stuff like that. And then he at, he got his GED in his late thirties, early forties, um, which was a big you know for me that was very inspiring to see. Yeah, because uh, he never you know graduated high school. 
him and my mom have been together since they were 15 years old, mm. pretty much running around on their own. Um, and I learned my work ethic from my dad. I learned my morals from my dad, my character from my dad. And I learned how to be kind and good to people from my mom. Mm. Um, she, she is a, my mom, her name is Linda. Mm. She uh, taught me to give my best. Both my parents did. Uh, but they also kept me on my toes. Mm. You know, my dad really was a uh, take initiative kind of guy. Yeah. He, he was always making sure that we did something with purpose and that we were being useful all yeah. the time. So humble beginnings, um, didn't have a whole lot of confidence growing up. And what I really wanted as a kid was to be successful mm. more than anything. And it hurt. Like I would see athletes on TV and that was like a whole nother planet for me. Mm. You know what I mean? I was like, I'll never become that. I'm just born in this small town. I'm going to be nothing. And really I, I gravitated towards, uh, movies like Aladdin. Mm. I saw myself as like the Aladdin kid, you know, mm. I'm like this poor kid on the streets. Mm. I want to be successful. I want to be something, yeah. but deep down inside, I don't feel like I can. Mm. And anyways, what ended up happening is um, I struggled with confidence for a long time. I was shy, got into high school. I have three brothers. So when I got into high school, I tried out for wrestling and I was able to hold my own. Mm. Started getting good at that. Started building some confidence. Yep. Lost a ton at my, my freshman year. Like everybody beat me. My yep. senior year, I lost two matches. Mm. Wanted to be an athlete. Um, that didn't really pan out. Uh, it, wasn't really, it wasn't good enough. I ended up not qualifying for the state qualifying championship. Yep. So I didn't have a plan. I went to a community college right after that because that's what everybody else was doing. Yeah. And uh, it was basically just drifting. Mm. So I had built myself up with confidence in wrestling. And then after high school, my dream didn't plan out. Mm. So here I am drifting and I was really dead and miserable inside. Went to a community college, kind of clocking in, clocking out, and then started partying a ton. I mean, there was days where I was going to class like drinking. Mm. You know, I was going to, it was 2 p.m. and I would go to math class. And I'm doing statistics and I got a buzz. You know what I mean? Mm. And, um, that's just the kind of person that I had turned into. And I was just drifting and no purpose, no direction away from home. And what ended up happening is I come home one day with all the other um, kids that I had gone to college with. Yeah. They were all partying. And I said, dude, enough is enough. Mm. It was two o'clock in the afternoon, beer cans everywhere, you know, doing what we were doing. And um, I walked into my room, I closed the door and I called the recruiter, the army recruiter. And um, at that moment, I was really, I, I enlisted, dropped out of college and enlisted in the military out of desperation. Mm. I just felt so shitty about myself and where I was going with life that I just needed change. Yeah. And so that's why I enlisted. And, um, within that I did what was logical. I didn't, I wasn't dream chasing. I right. just said, let me pick a career that makes sense. So I became an enlisted engineer. And if you're familiar with the military, there's two sides enlisted and then the officers. Yeah. Um, so I came in as enlisted soldier and I was doing a lot of engineer work, survey and design type work. I, I deployed Iraq in 2006, so I enlisted in 2005. August of 2006, I went to Iraq. I was, t um, I turned 20 and 21 in Iraq, mm. and I was there for 15 months. Oh wow! On that deployment, um, you know, you didn't have access to the internet a little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. And I was really soul searching. I was just watching what we were doing over there. Um, an officer in my unit. He was about 23 years old. His name was Christopher Rutherford. And uh, he's an awesome, incredible officer. And he was hit by a roadside bomb and he was killed. Oh, wow. At 23. And when that happened, I started reflecting on life and I really started seeking. So, what am I doing over here? You know, why, why am I in Iraq? Well, what's the purpose of this? Not only, so, I I'm started searching and seeking meaning in life at 20 years old. And I remember I was in the middle of the city, um, Bakuba, Iraq, and I'm laying there. It's two o'clock in the morning. 
we used to do all of our engineer work late at night because it was like the safest time to do it. So I was putting in this patrol base. It's like base camp, essentially, for the infantry unit. The 82nd Airborne was clearing this city called Bakuba. And about half a mile to a mile away from me, there was a giant gunfight. Apaches were flying in. You could hear the machine gun fire. The infantry were clearing. And I'm over here setting up these guys' as patrol base. And as I'm laying there, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I finished the job. I lay down at night. I got my body armor on, my gun strapped across my chest, my helmet on, and I'm protected between two concrete barriers. I'm looking up at the stars, and I'm thinking again, what the hell am I doing over here? And I hear the gunfire. And at that moment, I remember thinking, I should be over there. I shouldn't be over here. I shouldn't be building this patrol base. I should be in this fight. Why is it that I'm over here and they're over there? And so I had this warrior's call. And what I realized through reflection was that I had given up on my dreams and I had settled and that I really wanted to be somebody significant and I wanted success in life and I wanted to do things that were hard yeah. and purpose-driven. Mm. So in that moment, I decided to switch gears. Um, I dropped the Army's, I applied for the Army's Green to Gold Scholarship Program, which took you from enlisted soldier to infantry, or excuse me, inf- enlisted soldier to officer. And I had to go back to college, um, do that in order to graduate and earn my commission. That was really challenging for myself because I, I struggle with academics. I was a college dropout, so I feared all that type of stuff. And I didn't think I was good enough to become an officer, let alone an infantry officer. You know, inf- inf- the infantry is like one of the most competitive branches in the Army. You know, infantry and aviation. You got to be highly, highly competitive. But um, again, the warrior's call came and I said, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Why not go for it? People are dying over here. Life is short. Go chase your dream, dude. Go be part of the fight. And so um, I applied, much to my surprise, I was selected. And then basically what ended up happening, um, went through college, there was a lot of failure there, a lot of just persistence. Um, I ended up graduating. I was in the top of my class, top 10%. I got approved to become an infantry officer and then got assigned to my first unit. Um, In that unit, a mentor came into my life and encouraged me to take the next step and go deeper. He had a ranger background. And, um, I knew I wanted to be an infantry officer and I had this calling to get into special operations, but he really believed in me to do it. So when he, he started encouraging me to go that direction, he's like, Hey, have you ever thought about being a ranger? I kind of laughed because I didn't think it was possible for me. Mm. And, but I respected the guy. I admired him. I call him major steel. Can't really say his name on here. Mm. Um, but he's just a really special person to me and he believed in me. And, um, through that I ended up applying and getting into the 75th ranger regiment which is a special operations unit so to draw the contrast here basically you have the infantry which is like playing in the nfl um and then well actually it would be more like college football right and then getting into the the special operations community in the infantry and the rangers that's like making it to the nfl you're in the top 0.01 percent right like straight up by statistics and these are some of the most baddest people on the planet right so for myself, I had to grow into somebody that could achieve that. I confronted my doubts, confronted my fears, um, learned from all my mistakes, ended up getting approved and got selected. So there I was at the 75th Ranger Regiment, serving with the best of the best, total dream come true. But then the next thing was that every Ranger officer typically wants to be part of the cool mission. Yeah. They want to go do the greatest stuff, right? That's just the, the personality type. Right. So I wanted that. I wanted to go lead raids. I wanted to be part of that mission set. But not every ranger officer goes and does that. So here I was at the, uh, at, I got a chance to be part of that team, but the dream wasn't finished. So I kept working and eventually what ended up happening, my platoon 
was called the Bad Mothers Platoon. And um, I had an amazing team, amazing leaders, and through their leadership, we were selected to go lead high-value target re- raids overseas. And b- basically, we were charged with capturing or killing high-value targets that the president had visibility of. Oh, wow. So um, we weren't like, and I don't want to say that I'm sort of, sort of war hero. The guys that I served with, those rangers, they're heroes. But I got a chance to serve alongside those guys, and they were doing an incredible mission. So I go overseas. Um, I'm, in, I, I'm in Afghanistan at this point, And dream come true. We do some missions. And what ends up happening is my last Ranger mission occurs. It's December 31st, New Year's Eve. And I'm getting called to go capture or kill this very, very bad person. We have about 80 members on the ground. We fly in at night. And I got about 80 Rangers, which include... About, I won't go into specific numbers, but there's an 80-person task force going to go after this guy. We have a partner force attached to us. So we have an Afghan special operations team attached to us as well. I'm the officer in charge of the ground combat. I have a captain that's in charge of... He's overall in charge and responsible for the mission, but I'm the senior officer in charge of the ground combat. So we go in. It's late at night. And as we're approaching the objective, we fly in by helicopter, we touch down, we get off. It's about 10 o'clock at night and something just doesn't seem right. You know, the enemy, there was movement on the objective before we had flown in and all that movement had stopped. Nobody was coming out to like pee or any of that type of stuff. So it was unusual. We get to the objective and it was supposed to be, the gate was supposed to be open. The front yard, they had this compound. It was built like a castle actually. And there's a courtyard wall that had like a, a gate on it that you could drive a car through and it was closed when we got there, it was supposed to be open. Well, so these little red flags started happening. What ended up happening was that this, this building that we were supposed to go infiltrate, we breached the front gate and it turned into this giant gunfight. And we ended up having a barricaded shooter in a two-story compound, multiple enemy fighters firing down on us. We had machine gun fire coming at us. We had sporadic small arms fire from the periphery. And it was just a mission turned south. The barricaded shooter started throwing down grenades on top of my guys. Um, I had a team leader that night that lost an eye. Most of my leaders were combat ineffective. They all took shrapnel to the legs or were partially concussed. And the partner force that we were with, most of, we lost an entire squad, about nine Afghans, um, because they, they got wounded through gunfire and um, fragmentation. So we were completely combat ineffective, and we were just pretty much getting our asses handed to us. And my commander came to me, or I came to him. I said, sir, what do you want to do? You know, we're outmatched. We've been fighting for hours at this point, which is not how it's supposed to go. One of the rooms that we were trying to get into was built like a damn arms room. So it was rigged with explosives. It had explosives in there. Not rigged, but had explosives in there, ammo in there. And it was just a very dangerous situation to be in. And we were, there's only a couple of Americans that could actually fight. So my commander made the decision that we had to uh, exfil. Which for a ranger, that's like the worst thing that you could experience to withdraw, to retreat. And, um, but it was the right call. So we ended up having to, we pulled back, we bounded back. My senior NCO on the ground, it's a long story, but he basically was um, combat ineffective. He was concussed uh, or unconscious. Um, We evacuated him, got on the birds and started to fly out. As we flew out, my helicopter almost took an RPG round. It flew right over the top of us. Wow. Um, we were almost killed. And the next day, 
all my leaders that were on that, that mission, they were getting Purple Hearts. Mm. And I was standing there as the officer in charge of the ground combat feeling pretty shitty about myself and mm. feel, feeling responsible. Mm. Um, so I, I remember looking around and just feeling like a failure mm. and feeling responsible. Um, it was a, we, wa- we lost that battle, but my higher headquarters, the next day, they, we had gathered enough intelligence that they were able to eliminate all the enemies that came on and off of that objective and actually achieve strategic success. Mm. So nobody died on the friendly side. A lot of guys got hurt, but overall, in the big picture, it was a success. Mm. But it didn't feel like success to me. You know, I beat myself up. I told myself I was responsible. Should have. I've dissected that mission so many times inside of my head. And right after that, um, unfortunately, my time at the Ranger Regiment was over, and so I had to go on to a military school. And I was dealing with the stress of that mission, the guilt, the failure, and through just the way my life was going at the time i i went to this school and i had to leave my wife as well mm. so in this period of time i was i spent about two years away from my wife mm. and i was going through everything from that deployment and life got pretty shitty for me and um I'll, i can get into some of that stuff later but bottom line is i found a mentor that pulled me out of it mm. and he taught me about success he taught me about all the gaps in my life and he helped me fix me mm. and by doing that things started working out. The words, the world started getting back into order and I started feeling more confident about myself. I started a business. I started helping the leaders around me with the skills that I had achieve their success. Mm. And I built Conquer Academy. I ran the 103 miles. I got out and I just doubled down on everything. Mm. So that's the overall story of my rise here. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty badass that mission, you know? Holy fuck. Yeah. That's pretty badass. But I I don't know, even as you, yeah, I mean, even as you explained it, like I don't, I mean, being in the moment, like I can see, I guess I could see why you might have thought it was a failure on your part, but just hearing it, I don't even hear that at all. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, like I don't. I mean, it sounds like you held your mind. Yeah, it's nobody, like. Nobody died. They, they, it sounds like they were ready for you guys to come. It was nothing that you could have done, you know? No, I mean, that's just the burden of command. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when you're a leader and your team messes up or something happens to your team or something goes south, Yeah, a good leader takes responsibility for it. but sometimes that can be to your detriment, Yeah, you know? And so, um, I've always been a leader in my life. You know, I, I, I led my brothers at a young age. And so I've always carried the burden of command. I've always carried the burden of leadership and I was probably being harder on myself than I should have been. Um, and I learned that I gave myself forgiveness later on, Yeah, but it took a lot of work, a lot of internal work to get myself there. Mm. And, um, by doing that, I fixed myself and, and the world fixed itself. Yeah. I have a question. So when the when the mentor came in, because like there's a, it sounds like that that rut period of your life, like that post when when you met the mentor and he started to help fix you. What was the stuff that he was telling you to do to like get you out of that rut? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that go into those ruts, and when you are in that rut, you feel like the whole world is against you again. Like you look at the world in a different view. Yeah. So it's like how, but it's a lot of inner work. Uh, what were some of like the main points? Yeah. The the thing that really saved me, I mean, it was him for sure. But what he taught me was personal development. Personal development saved my life. Okay. Um, it's came, it came in, there was two really difficult times in my life, one in entrepreneurship and then one just in life in general. The first one was back in like 2012, 13, when I tried to buy my first house and I got rejected from the banks. I turned to personal development to study success, money, all those type of things to fix that problem. It really helped me put me on track of, into entrepreneurship. And then during this tough time in, in the Ranger Regiment, 
um, I was seeking again and I gravitated again towards personal development. So what he taught me, he told me a story I'll never forget. He said, Jeremiah, like I, so he was on a podcast and I didn't have a lot of successful people in my life. And I remember I was just trying to self-study. I was putting good input into my head, trying to work on myself. Let me backtrack real quick. This is how bad things got. So during this period, I said it was dark, right? I was drinking every single night. I'm going to this, this school, this military school. Everybody thinks I'm fine. And I'm like approachable. I'm happy, yada, yada. But at night, as soon as I'm done with my work, I'm getting blackout drunk. And I'm doing this in a little shitty apartment by myself. I mean, the only furniture I had in this house, I had a blow-up mattress upstairs. And I had a picnic table downstairs that I had you know, gotten together because I was supporting two households. And I was just penny pinching. And so I'm going through, it's just not a good environment. But, but what I'm saying is I was getting hammered every single night and just reliving everything that had happened. And then one night things got so bad, I put a gun to my head. You know, nobody knew I was doing it. Nobody knew I was having a hard time. Um, my grades in school, I'd have, I'd ace them. And then all of a sudden flunk, hmm. ace and flunk, you know, just weird behavior. Right. Right. So when I, I put a gun to my head and I'm just in tears, hammered and I couldn't pull the trigger. Hmm. Um, I saw my family's life flash in front of my face, my wife, everybody. And that was the moment that I said enough is enough. And I said, I got to get myself together. Yeah. So I started searching again. I went to podcasts, books, and that led me to an interview. Um, it's actually Ed Milet's podcast. And he had this lady on, Sarah Centrella. She wrote this book, Hustle, Believe, Receive. And in the interview... Um, I remember he was basically dissecting her path to success and asked her for advice. She said, listen, my advice is if you don't know anybody successful, find somebody and interview them. So I'm like studying every podcast that I get my hands on to try to fix myself. Yeah. And so I listened to the advice and I, I listened to Ed's podcast again. This guy comes on and I'm just totally attracted to everything that he has to say. So I find him on social media. I send him a message. I say, hey, I really like what you did on this show. I love this and this and this. Do you mind if I get 30 minutes of your time and ask you some questions about success? And to my surprise, he said yes. Oh, wow. Fuck yeah. Nice. Um, that turned into a 30-minute call where he helped me. That turned into a, a second call where we went an hour into me. Hmm. And he told me a story. He said, Jeremiah, this is why you're so miserable. Let me tell you a story. He said, there's a young boy, and he comes into the office of his dad. Dad's in there working 7 o'clock at night, trying to do his taxes, and, or just some work. He's busy. He wants to get it done. The kid comes in. He's like, Dad, Dad, we come play with me. Mm. Dad's like, shit. I'm like, I want to play with the kid, but I also got to finish my shit. Right. And he doesn't want to leave the kid hanging, so he, he looks over, over, and he grabs this magazine. And on the cover of the magazine is a picture of the globe, like the world. And he looks at his son. He's like, you know what, son? I will play with you, but first, I want you to go do this puzzle. Mm. And he takes the magazine cover, and he rips it up. And he gives him all the pieces of the magazine cover. The kid runs away, and he's thinking he buys himself hours of time. And five minutes later, the kid comes back, and he's like, I'm done. He's <laughs> like, shit, man. <laughs> what the hell? He's like, no way you finished that. How, how'd you do that so quick? He's like, no, Dad, it's done. Come check it out. Mm. He goes in there, sure as hell, on the table. It's all put together. The globe is facing perfectly in order. Mm. He's like, how'd you do that? He's like, well, Dad, when you ripped up the cover of the magazine, on the front of the cover was a picture of the globe, but on the back was a cartoon picture of this boy. Mm. So I knew all I had to do was put the boy together and the world would get put together too. Um, so my mentor, Major Steele, and this, this version of him, um, he told me that story. He said, You're just, you need to put yourself together and the world will take care of itself. Mm. So he 
um, pulled the hood back of my metaphorical car, me, mm. and started showing me all the gaps in my life, relationships, spirituality, fun, profession, um, everything. I mean, I was, in, yeah. I was completely broke mm. in every area of life except for my career. On the outside, it looked like I was successful. Yeah. Um, I had the job everybody wanted. I'd grown tremendously. Here I am. Everybody looks at me like, this guy's a killer. Yeah. Plus, I'm extremely physically fit, but inside, I'm completely broken. Mm. So from that, he helped me lay out a plan to take my weaknesses and improve upon them. We worked on different areas of my life, my career, my relationships, spirituality. And through that, I started building confidence. I created businesses. And that put me on track. So, you know, you asked, what did my mentor give me or what did he, what advice did he give? And it's to put your get, put yourself together first. And he led me towards personal development to do that. Hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Momentum wins, dude. That's a big thing. Well, personal development wins. Like, you know, that was a theme we heard all weekend long, right? We went to the, that event, right? And um, we heard from a lot of very successful people and every single person's message is you need to fix yourself first and everything. It's the answer to every it's problem. It's the answer it's to everything. Answer. It's yeah. like, if you can find the, you become a better a leader. You be, you can't, you're like the business. If you're in business, your business will never outpace your personal growth. That's right. Right. And that's you're, something that's a theme that we've heard. And then that, but that, if you're not in your own business, that could be in any, like your, your family life, right? you like your family around you is not going to thrive yeah. the way they would if you're not right with yourself. Yeah. Your quality of life will not exceed your level of personal development. Exactly. If you want a higher level quality of life, you have to work on your personal development. You have to work on yourself, your mindset, the way you think, understanding how you think. Most people have a very low level of consciousness. They, don't, they aren't aware of their inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. You know, consciousness is one of the higher faculties. I call it your mental Gerber, right? You have all these tools inside of you that help you achieve what you want to achieve that people aren't aware that they have. Imagination, willpower, consciousness is one of them, mm -hmm. memory, reason, those mm -hmm. sort of things. So we have these higher faculties that are completely underdeveloped in life, and yet those are the things that drive us to success, right? Your consciousness, right. if you understand how you're talking to yourself, bro, you wouldn't talk to people the way you talk to yourself. Right. No way. No way. Okay, so we got to fix that if we want to achieve something. Mm. It's crazy. Everyone's looking for like a tactical answer for something. Like, just tell me something that I can apply today that's going to make me more money. Right. Like, is there, is there like just this investment I don't know about or... You know, there's there's just something that you don't know that I could just apply it, but it's it's never the answer. The answer is just, you know, look in the mirror. And that's why coaches are huge. You know, like you can I feel like for me anyway, it's like I could watch all the podcasts in the world and it's like you hear these principles and you believe them mm -hmm. and you, you, you start to apply a little bit of it. But it's hard to really you're not being fully self-aware of what's going on with yourself. Right. You know what I mean? And when you're when you're talking to a coach. It's just, it's just, a, you're just, you learn so much about yourself that it's hard to explain, yeah. you know? And, uh, and one of the, I think, effective traits for a coach, which I think that you have in spades, like that's probably your like magic sauce is that you have this like ability to ask the person questions, right? That leads you to the answer, yeah. right? Because right. like, I want sometimes like, just fucking tell me what to do, yep. right? right? Like, all right, this is where I'm at. Right. That's what everybody yeah, wants. Yeah, just tell me. Just tell just me. Tell but me what to do. Work. I don't want to yeah. think. I just want to do yeah. it and I'll do what you tell me to do. Yep. But that's not that's not always an that's not an effective approach. You right? said something so powerful. Yeah. 93% of people uh would rather die than think. Mm. Okay? What did I say 95 or 93? 93. 93. Yeah, 90 90 what? 3. 93. Yeah, 93 is right. 
93 actually a thing yeah 93 percent. i forget where i heard that my my mentor taught it to me 93 percent of people would rather die than think um he said that five percent of people think they think Mm. and then two percent of people um actually think Mm. so like legit thinking is is a skill right and so what i really do with people the the question most people should be asking is why does he ask so many questions right why is he doing that why 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 Mm. it's because i'm rewiring your brain Mm. okay every thought that you have creates a track inside of your brain neuroplasticity right it's like a pathway so everybody you know one of the things that my mentor taught me was he told well here's his assessment of me after we dove deep into what was going on with me he said jeremiah um not only is your wheel of life messed up but you have stinking thinking and a bunch of mind knots okay Mm -hmm. mind knots are just negative ways of thinking that and these are the limitations that hold us all back so what i'm doing through questions which is a leadership skill is teaching somebody how to think right because if i do that one time especially if i do it a second time now they're hooked and they can think that way all the time. They just have to practice it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's like teaching someone how to fish rather than giving them the fish. Exactly right. right. Your negative self-talk is a huge problem, at least for me. Yeah. If I, if I feel like if someone like really like unpeeled my head and listened to my monologue, they'd be like, whoa. Take it easy. Take yeah. It easy. And, and it's, it's so subconscious. It's so deep. And you wonder like where it comes from. Like, where was the root of this? Like, how did this even happen? Yeah, well, most how did it even get most here? Most people are just rolling around like zombies in a subconscious state, right? And they're not moving around with intent, you yep. know. And like, if you just let that like subconscious state like go, you're just like you're just going through life, like mm-hmm. you're going through life waiting to die, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of taking life, you know, like you're you're doing life, life is. Right. I mean, think about what happened to me. Like my thinking was literally killing me. Your brain is your biggest asset, your biggest weapon. Like think about this. Your mindset is Elon Musk is using his mindset to get the entire planet to Mars. That's the power of it. The mindset created this microphone. It created the clothes that we're wearing. Your mind is what creates everything. And yet most people are using their biggest weapon against themselves. They're pointing instead of going to Mars, they're talking about how big of a piece of shit they are. Right. How much they're failing, how much they're not given, like what they're, they're just, they're, they're self-destructing and it can literally kill you. Yeah. So what are some tips like that we can, you know, give to some people that like help you, you know, train the brain to start thinking a little bit better? Like, how can you snap out of somebody's listening? They're like, listen, I've been going through the motions. I have negative self-talk. Like I'm stuck in a, in a certain spot. Like what are like, I don't know, two or three things that somebody can try to do to try to snap themselves out of. Yeah, simple thing is that you asked, I don't know why these thoughts are in my side of my head. Mm. The reason they're there is because your subconscious is a recording system. Like when you're a kid, you, you got to think, you st- your mind basically was a whiteboard, right? And then all of a sudden you got exposed to stuff and you started creating frameworks and understanding. You started absorbing the world around you. Okay, so you ever wonder why you started speaking before you could read and write? It's because you absorbed it. Your subconscious recorded that ability. Touché. Okay, so if you, the egg theory. right. So if the trick here is not do do I want to unlearn the language that I know, it's I need to add in a new program, a new language that dwarfs the old one. So if I want to speak Spanish, I'm not trying to get rid of English. I'm trying to add in the Spanish on top. Yeah. So how do you do that? You do it through a term called auto suggestion, hmm. which everybody's always auto suggesting to themselves all the time. I am this. I am that. And through Muhammad Ali said this. He said it's through the repetition of affirmations that you start to develop belief. Once you have belief, that's, true. that's when things start to happen. So you have to literally, I had to, when I first started off in entrepreneurship, I had to brainwash myself for success because I wasn't getting what I wanted. So I hit the books, I started studying, 
And what my mentor taught me was he said, change your input, change your output. That's a, it's a simple math equation. Most people's input is trash. So in layman's terms, like, like what you're putting into your brain, like what you're reading, what you're watching, yeah. like what you're, what you're exposed to, yeah. like who people who are around you, right? Instead of filling it with garbage, the mundane shit, like what the Kardashians yeah. are doing and like, you know, like oh, rolling, rolling fucking bullshit, right? Yep. Fill it with, fill your brain with information that will serve you, that yeah. will help you improve, you, read the right book. Better. And repetition is the mother of all learnings. The, my mentor taught me that too. You have, I have a lot of like Zig Ziglar isms in me, which yeah. he, which he, my mentor was trained by Zig Ziglar in person for like two years every week. This was before the internet and stuff. He he actually was a personal trainer, and he trained Zig at, with personal training, and Zig Ziglar mentored him awesome. as part of it. And so then he taught me all the stuff Zig taught him, and so that's inside of my head. But one of the things that he taught me was like I said, change your input, change your output, and repetition is the mother of all learning. So. You don't learn something just because you understand how something is and something works doesn't mean you actually know it. So you have to, until you fuse with it, you don't know it. Okay. A little example of this. I can teach you how to ride a bike. I can say, Hey, when you, when you want to ride this bicycle, you get on it, you put your, you sit on it. If it has training wheels, I can talk you through the steps Yeah. and you can, can conceptualize it, but can you ride the bike? No, you don't actually know how to ride the bike until you get on it. So the trick is you have to fuse with the doing. You have, to, you have to be so repetitive in what you're doing until you're living it. And so what my mentor had me do is he had me listen to these Zig Ziglar tapes 17 times. The guy was a psychopath, man. Mm. 17 times, bro. I'm like, and I'm super coachable. Mm. So if you tell me 17, listen to these audios, change your input, listen to these audios 17 times, I'm going to listen to them exactly 17 times. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. <laughs> He bro. might have just been exaggerating, say like, yeah, about seventeen times. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. literally, bro, yeah. and I ran that play. Yeah, and it took me, you know, I mean, it took me like three months to get through one deck, like mm. right through the deck one time. So I'm listening to this for years. Actually, I was driving my car. This is years ago. I was driving my car like last week, and Zig popped up again on my old playlist. Mm. I was like, showed back up in my life. Yeah. But what that did for me is it was he was teaching me auto suggestion. He was changing the way that I thought and helping me think in a, a positive, productive way. And that helped me in so many different areas, mm. like relationships, right? Like he taught me to leave people with the impression of increase. Every, I started living in this way that I, every person I met, I started trying to leave them better than I found. Mm. And what that turned into, when I got into entrepreneurship, I had all these relationships, I was a decent person, and I could ask for favors, ask for help, and oh. I built this community. And I had this brand as well yeah. that really helped me in entrepreneurship. So it all started with personal development, changing the way I thought, which helped change my results. Yeah, that's a huge one, right? That it sounds easy to do, but you have to do it with Your consciousness doesn't want the same information over and over again. Yeah. If I tell you the same thing, you're going to be like, okay, I get it. No, 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 no. You don't get it. Right. And if I do that over, you have to, it's like jujitsu, right? Your mindset is like jujitsu. I have to put either the, the, the education, the information into your mindset, and I have to give it to you at such repetition that eventually the old belief system, the old thinking submits, and then my shit wins. Right. You're literally like in a battle. It's like a, it's like a, literally like a war going on in your head. Yeah, you're, you to, you're battling your brain, you know, yeah. like you're fighting, you're, you know, you're filling your brain with stuff so it can literally... Like you're rewiring. Yeah. So, but, so do you believe in like, like, you know, people sleep with like affirmations? Like, cause that's like when you're in your most subconscious. Yeah. Hypnosis like is sleep. like one of the fastest ways to access the subconscious. But like what I got really good at, um, on top of the mentorship and everything I've gotten over the years in the personal development is that there's a lot, a lot of time in between those things. So eventually what I, what I am, I think my specialty is, is that I study myself more than everybody else that I know. Big time. You put me up against anybody on the face of the planet. I know more about myself, where I'm going, 
and I can go like there's some guys that like we spoke with the personal development event we were at the other day. I can go toe to toe with every single one of those guys on personal development. And those guys are world class. Yeah. I'd probably beat them in some ways. But the reason why I know is because I've studied myself. I'm inside my like when I go on these runs, I do a lot of running, a lot of cardio. And when I'm on those runs, I'm mastering my mind. I'm not listening to music 90% of the time. I listen to a little bit here and there. Most of the time, I'm not listening to anything other than my own thoughts and I'm taking control of them and I'm shifting them during that run. I'm solving problems. I'm rewiring. I'm visualizing. I'm getting into a meditative state. It's very intentional. Wow. So I've been in my head, like almost like, I guess like a David Goggins would be, right? Like I'm thinking about myself, where I'm going and how to fix everything that's going on inside because the external world becomes a byproduct of the internal world. Okay? People don't realize this. Your, your environment is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. So true. If you got shitty friends, if you're drinking, if you're what all these, all these, all this negative, you don't like all the negative in your life. You need to think about what you're thinking about, right? Because it's showing up. It's it it gets expressed, expressed. and then realized. Yeah. So true. So those are great points. Um, what's something else? Like, give give me another one. So, something that like somebody's struggling with, like how they can yeah help. journaling. Yeah, there you go, journaling. Yeah. So journaling is another technique. So, um, you know, telling yourself something and something something over and over again is a great way to rewire the brain. But a more um, focused way is to re rewrite the story that's going on in your head on paper. Mm. It requires more willpower and more discipline. So, one of the things I first started doing to get myself together is um, I actually started journaling basically to get all the stress and and to just stop. I, I wanted to cleanse myself. So I grabbed a journal. And I just started writing. Well, that ended up turning into um, I want I would start writing down whatever I was thinking about, mm. and then I would change the narrative. Like yeah. um, this is this is the negative shit. Let me change this thought. Reframe. Mm. And I started feeling better, and I started getting more in control of my mindset. And what that turned into is I I've missed one day of journaling in over six years. Oh, you're still doing that. Even I now? still do it today. Wow. Every single day I journal. I journal mm. this morning. I'll journal every single day. So like what, give me an example of like, is it always like goals that you're writing down or is it, or is so, it just yeah, like what's going on? Or is it like a diary? So <clears throat> I limit myself to one page mm. and, and everything that I do in life, I strive to make it intentional mm. my entire life. I don't want one wasted minute throughout the day, which is like an impossible goal to hit. Right. But that's my, my focus. Mm. So when I wake up in the morning, my idea is that I need to cleanse myself because I wake up nasty. I wake up negative. Yeah. I don't want to live. I don't want to approach my day like that. I want to cleanse. Right. I want to be um, I want to be mentally potty trained, wake up, go to the bathroom. Mm. So for myself, I grab the journal. First thing I do is consciously stream. What am I thinking about this morning? What's on my mind? Let it out. Mm. Stress at work, wife, this kids, whatever it is, dogs, this, I don't know, money, this, that, whatever. So you're just writing out like what it is that's in your head, like it's conscious streaming. So conscious streaming means like I'm not thinking about what I want to write. I'm literally just allowing the information to flow to my pen mm. and hit the paper. Cool. Okay. So just let it go. Just relax. Yeah. Right. And then give myself like a paragraph or so to do that. Yeah. The next thing I do is I switch and I reframe and I get intentional with where I want to go. Mm. So I start writing about things that I'm grateful for, what my vision for success is, where I'm headed. And then I close that off with my, with my goals. Mm. So it's that framework consciously streaming, reframe into gratitude and vision and then goals. Yeah. How important? That's a good template. Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that because that's something I've talked about this on every single episode. That's my hardest thing is to intentionally, like I rewire the brain. Like I I say to myself like I want to start journaling, write my goals every morning, meditating, and, you know. And it's I'm just not there yet. Like to do it consistently. 
but it's like just fucking do it you know yeah. well dude when you when you figure this out when you start mastering your mindset you can do crazy crazy stuff right anything is possible right you decide first and figure out how later every single step of the way like i ran 103 miles in the colorado rockies right that i signed up for that i was sitting on my couch on a sunday and i raced six days later hmm. i signed up for the race on a sunday and i ran 103 miles six days later in the rockies that's Dude. the power of mindset bro well i drove 103 miles last week and i had to take like a fucking six hour nap <laughs> yeah like Speaking of <laughs> running 103 miles, dude. Speaking of mindset, I know you just did a retreat, right? That uh, guy that we know went to. What was it called? What, Conquer Quest. Yeah, was that when it was, when it was like hours. the set? Oh, 33, 33 hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a separate one. Can, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that was, you're talking about going to the most. Un- I feel like surpassing fear, surpassing uncomfortability. Yeah. Like that had everything in it all. Yeah. Wanted. So I have um, I got several different programs where I work with people on mindset, leadership and, and everything, right. Personal development, business, whatever. Um, I also do events. So well, majority of my business is ran virtually, but we have inside of conquer Academy, I have conquer quest, which is my highly intensive leadership training. And then I have a partnership collaboration with, um, the CEO and founder of, uh, strong physiques. So he's a former special operations veteran as well. And that event is called 33 hours. That, that event was designed to turn regular guys into high value men. So it's for men specifically. And it's 33 hours of nonstop continuous movement, physical training, emotional training, mindset training. And what we do with them is they show up and we start um, with both events. Actually, that and Conquer Quest, a majority of time with Quest, we start at the same time. We start at 9 p.m. at night. 9 p.m. at night. Start at 9? Start at 9 p.m. Okay. at night. And then we don't stop for 33 hours. Wow. Okay. And in there, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, I do the same thing in Conquer Quest, which we had one of those in, um, where was the last one at? It was uh, Utah. Hmm. So I took a team out to Utah, my clients, and it was incredible, man. We have four different types of Conquer Quest. We have Force on Force, which is where these are going to be leadership events where we're going to blend in some personal development and we are going to transform you, transform your leadership, transform your thinking, and help you with your business. Mm. So the people that come to these events range. They could be you know, multimillionaires, or they could be just starting off in entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, one, for instance, one of the ones that came out, she's a hairstylist. She was making, when she came to me, she was making like 35 bucks an hour, and she tripled her finances within three months, or three weeks. Wow. She went, yeah, just incredible. Like tripled her annual income in three weeks. By adjusting her, her thinking, her thinking. Yep. yep. And so she would come out, she came out to the event and during this event, we started at 9 PM and we didn't stop until Sunday afternoon. Hmm. And what we did with them is we put them through a lot of movement. We get them nice, tired and fatigued and we make them responsible for each other. So they run leadership lanes by leading each other. Hmm. Um, and then we cap that off with a force on force exercise. They haven't slept in like a day and a half. And now we're going to have you guys like kind of like what I did with you brothers, right? But imagine a bigger team and now you're doing airsoft against each other. And within that, you're responsible for everybody on the team. So you're sleep deprived, you're hungry, you haven't slept. Mm. You, you, this isn't even your field. You're a hairstylist or a right. starting entrepreneur. Right. And you got these special operations veterans like telling you to go plan this mission and go fight the enemy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> okay. And people might be wondering like, how does that correlate, right? Right. But here's what happened is that, you know, we took this lady, you know, like um, the, the starting entrepreneur and she's right. out there sleep deprived and she's leading her team. I mean, these people, 
she got back in her first post, she was like, if I would have shown up for myself in my career, my profession, like I did at Conquer Quest, mm-hmm. she's like, I would be a multi-millionaire by now. Right. So we teach them. We ta- teach them to tap into their potential. We give them strength. We teach them um, what their strengths are. We evaluate them. And 33 hours is very similar. Um, it's just more emotional. We get into the depths of the person's emotions versus their leadership. Mm. I saw some of those videos and it was like, whoa, like people really hitting like those like epiphany moments or like those low lows and just fighting through those moments because yeah. those moments are where you, I feel like you have the biggest breakthroughs yeah. when you're at your biggest low and you and you break through it yeah. and then you prove to yourself that you can do it. And then all of a sudden that win turns into like that seed yeah. and that seed grows and grows into that's where that kind of confidence comes from is when you break through those breakthrough moments. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so like a common question people ask, like, okay, if you had a startle, you only had like, what would you do? Like, how would you start over? Right. And based on all this information, I think the answer is you need to invest that into getting your mindset right and getting, getting a coach or getting somebody that's going to help untap your potential. Yeah. You need to do whatever next step is going to cause you to be the greatest version of you. Because when you do that, you now are on a frequency with other people that are that version of you, the future you. So you get, you're able to open up doors with other people. Like, shitheads don't hang out with multimillionaires. Right. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. Right. So if I, if you want to be a multimillionaire, you got to improve yourself and get on the same frequency of thinking, operating, believing like this type of conversation, mm-hmm. like, you know, me 10, 15 years ago or 15 years ago, I wouldn't, this wouldn't resonate with me. I would have been like, what the hell are you guys all talking about? This is like some magic frou-frou shit. Right. 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 So you got to like figure out how to like, you got to like figure out how to get your best self to show up and invest into that skill first, starting with your thinking and then everything else trying to start starts opening up yeah i have a question so with the business when you started conquer academy what was like a big uh breakthrough moment where you went from like x amount of revenue to x like what made you like really explode the business was it just word of mouth like how what made yeah like what was the secret to success there? Uh, my i mean my first five years in business i started several and i mean it was a lot of ups and downs and failures and stuff like that i mean there was one point where i was uh I was telling i was telling lucha about some of the stuff the other day i mean i done everything from day trading stocks to like building a map board business to an app, community sharing app, um, to a drop shipping um, business. And all those would last a little bit. And I would just be, I'd be like, no, I'm not doing these anymore for various reasons. But um, what ended up happening, my big success came from working with my mentor. Like I had been trying and going in circles for freaking years, man. And I'm coming up short. I'm not making any money. These things aren't working. I'm not passionate about any of these. So I started working with this guy and um, he taught me this one lesson. He said, Jeremiah, listen, if you want to build a business, remember this. You can get everything that you want if you just help enough people get what they want. Mm. And it was what Zig had taught him. And like when he said that, something clicked. And then he was like, why don't you just take all your experience from the military and start teaching other people how you've managed life, work-life balance, how you've got yourself to show up every single day of life, achieve success here, here, and here. Been a, Not only that, but your leaders, everywhere you go, they're becoming the top performers in the units that you're in. So you obviously have something here with leadership, dude. So why don't you package all that stuff up and create a coaching business? And I kind of laughed at him. I was like, bro, that's not a real business. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm like, that's like some made up. So then, but I respected the guy. He had the results that I wanted and I'm a great student. Mm. So after a day or two of reflecting, I said, all right, I'm gonna try it out. Did a post on social media. I didn't have any following at all. Maybe like a couple hundred followers or something like that. Maybe a thousand tops. And, uh, I said, hey, guys, I'm going to do a beta program where I help somebody reach peak mental and physical heights. 
And I'm going to share with you guys all the stuff that helped me go from X, Y to, to Z, right? Mm. And when I did that, I got an instant bite. Really? Yeah. It was somebody from that I had been in college with. And they were like, from the outside, it looked great. They were like, hey, you know, you've done, you've transformed tremendously. Jeremiah, you were like stomping around in the mountains like Tarzan as a kid. Mm. And now you're like leading high value target raids against enemy <laughs> combatants right. the United States. And now you're an infantry company commander mm. uh, with 130 soldiers underneath your command. Mm. I want to know how you did it all. Mm. Like, how did you manage life? How did you achieve their career success? And so we laid out a plan. It was with a, a cop, actually, an LAPD officer. Mm. And for three months, I worked with them on work-life balance, establishing their goals and helping them fix them. That's awesome. And so that was a big quantum leap for me, going from years of failure to instant, like over, quote unquote, overnight success. But it took years to get there. Um, and then there was some more after that. I mean, my, like I said, my personal brand um, has done very well. I've, you know, go I hit 100K months just organically, which mm. is pretty mind-blowing for a guy that comes from like nothing. Right. Uh, but it all comes through helping others get what they want. Yeah. Which that is a huge lesson uh, right there, right? That we learned again. Andy Frisello drilled that into everybody this weekend, right? It was having a mission-driven focus. If yeah. you're just in business, no matter what business you're in, just to make money, that business is not is not going to be successful long-term. It's not going to make an impact, right? And it's not going to be fulfilling. That's you, right. Right? Like if you want to just make want- like a few bucks, like he, he, he said, like, quote, if you want to make like a like a couple you know a couple dollars here and there, you can do that. Start a dropping shipping business, selling like shampoo to like random people like from China, like drop ship it from China. Right. You'll do all like right. you'll do all right for a little while. Right. You can do it through will. So so right. in order in order for a goal to really work for you, this is something everybody should listen to and pay attention to. And probably re-listen to over and over again. In order to for a goal to work for you, not you work for the goal, a goal to work for you, where you guys are both in harmony with each other, working towards each other. Okay. You need to be logically and emotionally connected to it. Okay. Think about love. If you only logically like somebody, how long is that relationship going to last? Not very long. I've been in a couple of those. But if you are logically, Hey, I like what this person has to offer. Not only that, but I'm emotionally attached and attracted. All of a sudden you're fused with them. And even before you start dating or going, being serious, you will move mountains for that person. Yeah. So my 103 mile race I was logically and emotionally connected to that goal. Mm. I, I basically said that that goal symbolized my future success. I said, I want to do something daring. I want to do something great that symbolizes that I'm in it for the long haul for success in life. What can I do? And I got inspired and I saw logically, I was like, oh, 100 mile race. That sounds tough. Mm. You've done some tough stuff. But that sounds really tough. And in the Rockies, 11,000 feet. Yeah. Can you do it? Right. Click, sign up. Mm. Right. And now I had to get myself emotionally involved. I said, okay, logically, I'm going to do this. Emotionally, it means future success and everything that I do. Mm. And so then I repeated that and I fused with it. All right, I had six days to prepare. Mm. So the next thing that I did, I started calling my power people, mm. right? We talked about auto-suggestion and inner talk. I didn't want any negative thinking when I hit that race. Mm. I didn't know jack and shit about 100-mile races. Mm. Nothing. Way out of my league. I actually went out there with a $50 pair of Under Armour shoes. That's how bad it was. Wow. Damn, I got damn near hypothermic. Mm. But, the, but what pulled me through this race was that I was emotionally and logically connected to the outcome. And in my hardest times during the race, I didn't think about what I wanted completing the race. I thought about why I was fucking there. Mm. Okay. The what in life will push you to what you want. The why pulls you through. Yeah. Why you're doing it. Why you're in the relationship with the person you're in. Why you're in the business that you're in. So if you want a business or goal to really work for you, you got to be completely in harmony with it logically and emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Did your did your because a lot of people have issues finding the why, finding the emotion to even tap into. 
know what I'm saying? So if you were to give someone advice on that, like essentially find your why or, or like, or if someone's saying, listen, I'm trying, I'm having trouble trying to fuse my emotion into something yeah. like what would you kind of say ask there you so many questions no I, you're gonna fuck it <laughs> yeah know. i mean i can unreal it for you but here's the short answer everybody that they don't even have to work for me to, to find this answer you have the answer every question inside of your thoughts has an answer okay and so your why what i teach people and what i know to be true is 50 percent calling 50 percent choice okay so you know what you want and why you want it you're just not listening you're ignoring the why. You're ignoring the, all the details, and you're you're deselecting yourself and electing out from that goal. Okay, so like when I when I try to get into the Ranger Regiment, a lot of guys wanted to be a, in a Ranger Infantry Officer. They wanted to be a Ranger, but you know how many people deselected themselves from that path? Tons of them because they didn't believe that they could achieve it. Right? They said, "I'm not good enough." So at some point, your why is going to show up. A lot of those guys were meant for the Ranger Regiment, but they wouldn't listen. And so at some point, you have to make a decision. You say, you know what? I'm going to listen to this little voice that's inside of my head that says I can do this, and this is why I'm doing it. And by doing that, then you reaffirm the why, and it starts building into a very, very powerful one. Okay, start, You start developing confidence within it. So I always tell people, if you're trying to find your why, listen to the whisper. Your negative voice and the stuff that pulls you down in life is going to be the loudest. The stuff that's trying to pull you up is the quietest. Listen to the whisper. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? It's going to show up. Just relax and allow the answer to come. But then eventually you have to make a decision that that is the why and then reinforce it. So I have meditation so important. Like that's when you you hear the whispers a little bit. When you quiet the noises. Yes. You know, you kind of sit there and you woosah and you try to like just empty out the externals, you know. And then all of a sudden you start to hear things and and and, and feel things that you didn't really feel and, until you got to that 30 minute moment of where you were just super at. Peace. That's right. Your subconscious holds all the answers. It holds your why inside of it. And when you're in a high state of stress and anxiety, your conscious mind is overthinking and it's basically closing your mind off. So your mindset works a lot like clay. You want to like warm it up. You want to relax it. If I'm like tense and thinking about going into a cage fighting, you think I can, you think I'm, I can define my why for the business that I'm in? No, I'm tense. I'm thinking about the fight. I'm overthinking. I'm stressed out. So I have to relax and allow the creativity to come to and through me and, and allow that like I said, allow that creativity to flow and then listen to it. And meditation does do that. Another way to do it is with like light cardio, morning run, get into the flow state. Stop, just cut out the distractions and let your mind submit. This is so powerful. This is actually how people influence, marketers influence kids on commercials. So what they do is they, they put on the cartoon or whatever it is, right? And they get the kids to lock in. <clears throat> it's very visual, very graphic, very emotional. And they, the kids are focused. They're like hypnotized. And then all of a sudden they get to the, the climax, right? Something's going to happen. Oh my gosh. Boom. Commercial happens. And then they're hitting you with whatever it is that they want to sell you. The reason they're doing that is because they're relaxing your mind, getting your conscious mind to stop taking over. They're opening you up to whatever it is that they want to sell you. And they're putting that in front of you with a very uh, specific image that the kids are going to see, the cereal, the toy, whatever. Next thing you know, that's planted in their mind and they're doing that over and over and over and over again. And when you go to the store, the kid's screaming at some toy that they see and you can't figure out why. Okay, so your mind works just like that. You got to relax it, let it open up, and then start like cultivating this thinking and stop being used by everybody else that's taking over your thinking. It's funny because you, you know when you're in that state because ideas and your creativeness literally opens yeah. up. Like, like me and my brother's best conversations, I feel like when we're at a very 
relaxed state, whether it's at my mom's house when everyone's more relaxed or whether we're on vacation, coincidentally enough, where like we feel guilt about going on vacation. But when you're actually there and you start to like, again, like block out the noise and the stress, all of a sudden, like these ideas will start to flow. These like these aha moments or these like, oh, what if we actually did this? Or what if we actually looked at that problem this way? And it's because I feel like Got to leave room for it to come. Yeah, you literally, it's almost like you have a, a stuffy room and all of a sudden when you get into those states, everything starts to clear out mm-hmm. and this like flow starts to happen. Right. Like this water starts to float down the river. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some tips to keep the why in why? front of mind? Like, because like I, I think about yeah. the thing like you kind of forget and then like when times get tough, like you, you know, I think I remember one time when, when you were, when we were going through our training, when you were at the house, I I wrote something down or I had a picture and I kept it on like the mirror. Like in the morning, you see it every single day. Like what are some tips that people can, you identify your why and then how do you keep it front of mind? Yeah, I'm all, I'm a big believer in just setting up my environment to win, right? Like cultivating a thriving environment. Your your mind is amoral, which means that it doesn't matter what gets planted there, it's going to grow it. So if I'm around negativity, that that's going to be a weed inside of my garden, inside of my mind, right? And it's going to grow. So I want to be very, very like, uh, I want to be an architect of that. And what I try to do is set up my whole environment so that I think the way that I want to think without having to pay attention to it. So setting up triggers like the mirror and putting a picture there is very important. During that two-year period where I was away from my wife and my, my family, multiple deployments and damn near su- and suicidal, um, I was asking myself, why the hell am I going? And I was going on more deployment. So what I did is um, one of the techniques is I just wrote why on a piece of paper and I set it right next to my nightstand. Everything, every morning I woke up, it was the first thing I saw. And I had an answer below it. It was to show others it can be done. And it was enough on my work. It was enough to pull me out. And I was on a blow up mattress. I had like this little shitty blanket. And my nightstand was like a piece of Tupperware. And I had this card on there with the Y on there and the answer. My alarm would go off and I'd be just dreading the day. And I would look at that white card and I would just see why. And I would start thinking and it controlled my thinking. It didn't allow me to go to the negative again. And that caused me to take the next step. I get out of bed, start doing my thing. So I set my whole environment up to win because the military taught me that. To win at war, they said you need three to one ratio if you want to win in a fight. Like if I'm going to fight a bad guy, I don't want a fair fight. A lot of people are approaching life and their business and everything that they do trying to be fair. Bro, I don't want to be fair. I want an unfair advantage to include with my thinking and my goals. So I'm going to strategize. I'm going to create this environment that I can't just get. When I'm distracted, it's still pointing me at what I want. Okay, so um, like setting up these triggers is important. You can do like your vision board on your your cell phone, um, but I look for a three to one advantage. So if you're gonna fight an enemy, like I got a one rifleman, I'm gonna bring three dudes to kill that one guy, right? That's that's what I want. Right. And at some point, there's a disproportional amount of force that I'm not gonna use on the one guy. Like I'm not gonna use a nuke <laughs> on one rifle right. rifle enemy, right? right like right. I want I want to draw this. I want to win, but I just don't need to exhaust all my resources. Right. So I'm going to set my life up. So for, if I'm trying to get my health in order, my entire house, I'm not going to have treats, snacks, nothing like that. Because when I'm at my weakest, I'm going to cave in. I'm going to get that stuff. Yeah. So cell phones, putting your vision board on your cell phone, setting your household up so that it has only the food that you want to eat when you're at your weakest. Um, your friends, your family, everybody around you is supporting you towards your goal. Your job is nested within that goal. Yeah. Um, literally cultivating everything around you to only stay on track. Hmm. You want another thing I think about how do people can find their why? A lot of their whys come from their personal struggle. Big time. Hugely. Like for mine, you know, mine could be my anxiety. For Angel's, it could be, you know, to prove to other people that, you know, he was overweight his whole life. 
but he can make the decision to change and become a jacked nine-figure entrepreneur you know when when he was big his entire life and some people think it's not possible that is it's like from your own personal struggles when you could find your probably strongest wise you're just like his so others that could be done yeah right? exactly like that was a that was yeah your test your test is your testimony right everything that's testing you in life is a testimony for somebody else major steel taught me that too that's why it's so important like you share your struggles like even in this world of social media right now right yeah like you, you know you share your struggles you know and then because there's always lessons that couldn't help somebody else. Yeah, bro. If nobody shows us how to grow and improve and transform and, and work on themselves and become better, right. how the hell are we supposed to know? So we got we have an obligation as leaders to do that for everybody, to be the example. Like leading by example isn't the a way. It's the only way, right? right? Vince Lombardi. So that's what this comes from. This is why leading by example is so important. And yeah, you have an obligation. It's not even like you should tell your story. You have an obligation to tell your story because there's people behind you that need it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of transformation that's going to happen with us personally. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks, because we have a lot of stories and internal struggles that we've dealt with. And on the outside, probably a lot, not many people have seen or we've really outside talked about yeah. verbally. So that's why, like, if all three of us, like, with us, it's a little weird. It's like, like, we all, if all three of us are clicking, like, with that, lights out. That's what yeah. we're focused on right now. So, guys, this episode, there's like, Woo! rewatch it, get a pen out take notes because there was a lot a lot a lot of good stuff um normally our last question is like what is your best piece right? like i think we gave so much fucking good advice here that i don't even know if that question i'll, I'll want to i'll close it off with yeah. what, what my mentor t told me which is what zig told him yeah you can get everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want yeah that's such a key where can people find you too yeah. i'm my platform of choice is instagram so jeremiah Sullivan. On Instagram, check the spelling on the name. It's J-E-R-A-M-I-A-H-S-O-L-V-E-N. Um, that'd be the way to talk to me personally. And then my website, conqueracademy.com. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Costa will put some links in the bio. You know, Dr. that way Cousin we can Costa. get in touch with Jeremiah. I highly recommend you guys reach out to him, um, no matter where you, which stage you are, right? Whether you're not where you want to be, um, whether you want to start a business, whether you're working at a company, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You want to become better at something help tap into your best self um you know i i couldn't uh recommend higher so tell me to send the word rise uh when you send me a message so that i know that you guys are from this community here so i yeah. can i get a lot of dms so i want to make sure that i prioritize you guys all right awesome all right guys thank you